1: Okay, hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Brighton Rock podcast. Well, another day, another setback. Um, in what was thought to be a minor injury, yesterday, Thursday, we've heard word from Graham at his presser that Tariq has had a further problem with his hammy. Given that Adam Webster's out for, um, well, until after the international break and solid season has already ended, this is another blow for the Seagulls. Good job, Newcastle, outcrocking us at the moment. Um, with the, as the relegation scrap that we're inadvertently caught up in continues this weekend. Joining Peter and I ahead of this weekend's kickoff against Leicester and for this pod extra are two debutantes in the shape of mother and daughter combo, Margaret Wallace and Hannah kofshan think I've got that right. <laughs> Thumbs up. Um, fellow members of Albion supporter group Seagulls Over London, as we are, And fine, upstanding citizens of an Albion persuasion. So, welcome to the show, Margaret and Hannah. How are you both doing? Very well, thanks, Russell. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) As warned off air beforehand. They, they apparently sound exactly the same, they've pointed out to me. I hadn't noticed this before, but I'm going to probably notice it now, and, and maybe you, the listeners, will as well. So we'll try and keep clarifying who's who. Um, it's Peter and I uh, as well. So, um, well, first of all, let's start as we mean to go on. Um, firstly, to, maybe to you, Margaret, let's go with you first. How did your Albion story begin?
3: Gosh, I don't remember not being an Albion supporter, actually. I remember as a small kid, On a Saturday afternoon with the daily sketch um, putting in the football scores and dad my dad was always we we, we, I was born in Worthing so and he worked in Brighton and so it was my it was our local club so Brighton Hove Albion was was the club funny thing is what I'm I'm 70 this year and I suppose of a generation that women didn't go to football matches really and it was the to also beginning to get into the time of kind of football trouble, and so I remember saying to my cousins who were from Liverpool, "Oh, I'd love to go to Anfield." "Oh no," they said, "We'd never let a woman in the cop. It's too dangerous." And and there was kind of that sense about it. So I never. Um, we then moved away. We moved down to Dorset. So I I was geographically then a distance but still always supported Brighton always looked at the football results I mean they always had the biggest biggest crowds of any league they were in huge crowds Brighton had but the first football match I ever actually went to was in 90, I looked it up actually to check it out it was I, I got married by then and it was 1977 and um it was a football match Oxford were playing Brighton in Oxford and I pretty naive to be honest thought oh I'm going to go to this match so I said to my husband um can I you know I'm going to go and he was really nervous because of kind of football trouble I said no no I'm going to go he said well I tell you I'll give you a lift to the ground so he did give me a lift to the ground unbeknownst to him and me it wasn't the right Oxford it was the other one (laughs) so he he disappeared I was panic struck because I had no anyway so I, I got a cab a taxi to the he- Headington ground, by which time I was getting quite late. I was really nervous. I thought, oh, my goodness, you know, I'm going to miss this blooming match. So I ran up the thing and said to Stuart, this is the g- grounds, the blocks? Yes, he said. Are you on your own? I said, yes. All right, he said. Oh, good. Here you are. Here's a ticket. And that was the other thing I should tell you. So my husband said to me, you are not to cheer. Because anybody knows Hannah and I will know we don't exactly, we're not exactly quiet about our support for Brighton. He said, you, want, you must not cheer if you're anywhere near Oxford Oxford supporters. So I said, well, okay. So anyway, this guy picks this ticket out. He said, you're Brighton And I said, yes, I'm Brighton supporting. He said, oh, here's a ticket. He said, it's been given to me to be given to a good cause. Um, you can go in. And in fact, it was Brian Horton's uncle. And Brian, yeah, Brian Horton's uncle had got a spare ticket and he'd given it to the steward and I, so I sat next to Brian Horton at this match, Brian Horton's uncle rather, at this match, opposite the dugout with Alan Mullery on the other side. And I swear to this day he had dark glasses on, it was January, but I'm living sure he had dark glasses on, looking frightfully cool. And, um, and, and so... I had, of course, I cheered my heart out. We lost, but I cheered my heart out. It was fantastic. I had a lovely time. Um, and But then, I don't know, we, we moved, We moved, in fact, um, to Hertfordshire, North Hertfordshire, and I had the kids, Hannah and, um, and my son. And I was a working mum, and it became, it was just not possible. I couldn't go to football matches, really. I took the children to Goldstone just before the Goldstone was, was closed down. We went to a match there. Hannah will say something about that, maybe um and uh but it was only really when I retired because I just couldn't I couldn't I had a very demanding job over in Hastings I, I couldn't manage to go to football matches but an old colleague of mine, work colleague of mine rang me up and said come on Margaret he said got got a seat I'll come and get a season ticket and so I joined in that 2012 and I've been coming ever since and I absolutely adore it absolutely adore it
1: Thing. That's brilliant. I mean, there's two unusual things there straight away. Sometimes people have anecdotes, like the one you just said about Brian Horton's uncle. There might be somebody somewhere you come across who's, who's got tickets through the club or something. You might get anecdotes like that, but in the very first game you went to, that's pretty impressive. And also the fact that it's an away game is your first game. That's probably fairly unusual amongst most football fans as well. So you you really Actually, hit the ground running, haven't you? Though? The away game for me was the first game as well. Living in... Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> was yeah. it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, my first game was at Watford, right?
1: One one nil. Yeah, yeah. right. Can't say I'm in that crowd. I'm afraid. I, mine was a home game, but uh, no. I mean, that, that is true. And the other thing that struck me straight away, there, Margaret, is you were saying about um uh, ladies don't tend to go to games much, and I think probably certainly in that in that period, it was probably true. I remember certainly you wouldn't see you you sort of you'd notice when there was a woman at a game. That's I mean. Which is, just says it all, doesn't it? The fact that you'd spot somebody oh, there's, there's a lady, yeah. You know, well, was, part, of that... part of it
3: was. There were no seats, and when you're only five foot, sort of nothing, and you're socking mm. feet, you can't see. So it's actually quite difficult with with stand standing. Um, you just, you know, it's, it's tricky. I mean, I was just laughing. We we Hannah and I went to the QPR match, um, and uh, which was brilliant, and the, the free kick, fantastic. Because the guys in front of me had. Um, Brighton Hove Albion wigs on, they were even taller, and of course we were standing because it was an away match, I couldn't see, so I eased myself into the aisle, because the seat was next to the aisle, so I'm in the, in the aisle standing there, and of course, Pocinoli, wasn't it, how do say, Pocinoli yeah. got that free kick, ah, oh, we all erupted, and I have to say, I did understand how you could actually have, de- Hannah's laughing, how you could have a real problem, because we all cheered. Everybody went forward. And I literally I went I was carried. I was actually you know horizontal down a thing. And I thought I wasn't I thought I wasn't gonna breathe. I thought, <laughs> I, thought I was I gonna was going lose to die. my mum
0: and have to phone dad and say I'm sorry. <laughs> she, she, she went and had, she had to rescue happy. me. She died happy. <laughs> <I'll do it. laughs>
1: <laughs> just went sliding out, off into oblivion. No. Yeah, I don't think oh. you're
2: alone in not being able to see anything at QPR. That way end is a problem, <laughs> especially the upper upper tier.
1: I knew that joke was Tenually
2: coming. Yeah, and- I was in the upper tier that game, and I could bet. I don't think I even saw Popping free kick hit. go you know, hit the net. I think Can I just assumed write- everyone else did. <laughs> I, kind of like, I
1: assumed it had gone in. Yeah, spot on. It's not the greatest ground, is it, for views? Uh, we, we, so. we, were,
3: had you, we had a good seat. We're only about three or four rows back, weren't we, Hannah? Down, um, yeah. So we had a brilliant. oh, it was fantastic. Oh, it was a brilliant. Goal, best moment.
1: <laughs> not so much the clinching at the other end. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the that was a clinching moment, wasn't it? When we, I think we knew. Yeah, this is this is pretty much. Yeah. going towards a procession now it's just yeah. a matter of when, yeah. yeah, which is great, but going back in time then so you you said seventy seven your first mm. game, mm. um who were your early heroes then was Brian Alton amongst them who we had yeah. on the show and also
3: Mark Lawrenson. i always I was so sad when Mark Lawrenson left Liverpool, I was really
1: hmm.
3: he he was a I thought he was a in those days, really good-looking guy. That's—I should feel thats, I swear, that's a very female re- response. But uh, he was wow. and a great footballer. Um, yeah, I, I really like Mark Lawrence. And <laughs> it, he was my early,
1: early hero. I think I'd say. <laughs> Brilliant, excellent. Well, if we do get him back on, because we we're hoping to get him for a second, second phase of our uh, our, our chat. I'm um, have to try and get you on for that episode then, maybe. Or would you swoon? Would <laughs> well,
3: you? <laughs> yeah, I, oh, I'd go on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trouble is now, um, you're, when, I have to say, whenever he predicts on Brighton's results, I always hope he's going to predict a, a, a win, a loss rather, because then we might win and vice versa. His, his strike rate is rubbish, my view. Yeah,
1: I think he was 2-0 to us for the Palace game he went for, didn't he, uh, for example. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Never mind. Um, on the other sort of... Like, the period of that time then so your sort of the, your um, routines back in the day when you were going to your first games. sort of how would you go to matches who did you go with where did you tend to frequent at the grounds and did that change as time went on
3: well I didn't go very much really to be honest because as I said I was working I got children and I think mm. oh yeah you know mm. So for me, it was actually something I used to, to. And you couldn't see it. It was always it was the it was the newspaper. I used to, you know, and you didn't have social media. You couldn't keep in touch what was going on. I mean, I have to say, my my abiding sense of being a Brighton supporter is of thinking, "Wow, they're going to win this one," and then conceding a goal in about the eighty ninth minute, and nothing really changes, does it? To be mm. honest, <laughs> um, I mean, I, I feel we. Could, if you did the stats on that, they'd be quite high. <laughs>
1: yes that does sound awfully familiar doesn't it yeah um, <laughs> and we should say you i um, bring it forward in time you've um obviously but nowadays we've got a fantastic stadium and you do have a season ticket in fact both of you have a season ticket stadium at the uh yeah. at the uh, current stadium uh North Stands I understand is that right oh yes so you're one of the troublemakers no doubt yeah all the best people I- at
0: the North Stand.
1: <laughs> I, well yes um, I, I can i agree with that because i'm in the west upper um so <laughs> but the, the fact you're not sitting next to each other um hannah i, I apparently this you, you were saying all fair this is because you you got your season ticket a year later but i think the real reason is you wanted to be close but not too close to to hide yourself when necessary from your mum's bad behavior is that probably the real reason
0: yes i don't know if you i don't know if you know we have both
1: had banned. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on. Please tell oh, us
0: more. Mum's massively embarrassed it. I'm not going to say why. Mum's was a was a misunderstanding and she had a few matches banned and it, it really wasn't bad behaviour, it was a complete misunderstanding. I'm <laughs> um, saying the rules. <laughs> so she got this letter saying you can't come for, to for it was, 10 matches or something. And I uh, I'd come up uh, to a match. This was um, not last January, January before. And uh, I'd had a very, I I just was in a very bad place anyway. Life was not very good. And to compound it all, it was, there were no trains. So I had to take that bloody bus uh, from Three Bridges. And I was just in a stressed place. And I had this mug that I'd been given, takeaway mug for my coffee that I'd been given as a Christmas present and I loved it. And I got to the door the gate and the woman said I'm gonna have to take your mug away and I thought she was gonna I thought she was gonna um, throw it away and I panicked and I decided that the best way to make the case that this was not a bad thing was to throw it with its lid on to show that it wouldn't have the same effect as a bottle of water um, but now I think back I realized that it did look a lot like I was throwing things at the security guards uh, <laughs> it did not go down well the police, the security guy came up, asked for my season ticket, and I started to kind of argue. And then thought, this is no, this is not going well. At this rate, I'm going to get arrested. <laughs> so I then had to take the bloody bus home. That was the worst part to get back on that bloody bus. Um, and I got, uh, I I, got, I only got a three match ban because I got various very nice people including lovely Roger from Seagulls Over London to help me by emailing and saying oh, right. it was, I was in a very bad place but we have both had uh, Shut had... up honestly now,
3: we, now we're <laughs> completely ruined forever we apologise profusely and are really quite well behaved, honestly. Yeah, we are, we're
0: very well behaved. It's ridiculous. But, you know, I think there are people around us in the North Stands that, probably should get bans and
1: haven't it. uh. yeah <laughs> it's i'm finding this intensely amusing that you manage to get banned peter i didn't realize we'd invited outlaws on the on the yeah, program you we don't. better get rid of them We you know you know
2: you want to get we don't want to get like kind of you know given a reputation for hanging out with the wrong sort of people too, <laughs> we. Kind of...
1: anyone from I'm the club's listening they might outlaw <laughs> us ourselves yeah <laughs> uh so it's actually the other way around um Mum is trying to keep away from daughter, by the sounds of it. But yeah, definitely,
3: bags. definitely. Yeah. Yes.
1: So, so this is a takeaway mug with a lid, an unbreakable, like a plastic thing. I'm, I'm visualising. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Did you get it back in the end?
0: Uh, well, it, yes, because it bounced. Because you know, it's <laughs>
1: <laughs> ricocheted around. The... <laughs> yeah. I,
0: I I picked up my mug and and quietly walked back to the train, back to Brighton, uh, thinking oh my God, I'm never going to be allowed back at Brighton ever again. Um, it was all a bit horrible for a few days, but they very they were very kind. And I had to write, I had to sign my name to a code of conduct. Interestingly, in the code of conduct that I had to sign, it all said he, there's no S ah. uh, uh, stroke. P. So in some ways, you could argue if you needed to that it doesn't apply to me because I self-identify as a woman uh so the fact that they had written he is is legally non-binding but I I've decided to be um well behaved <laughs> um, but yeah it did it did interest me that the code of conduct that they, to sign that there, there hmm. was no it was as if they didn't think women would ever behave badly I think is uh the naive yeah they probably yeah.
1: updated that now <laughs> after you
0: two
1: <happening>. <Yep>. She's literally responsible for the rule book being rewritten. Fantastic.
0: Mum is going to kill me for saying this, by the way. He's going to kill me.
1: She's laughing the laugh and the smiling the smile of somebody who's who's planning long-term revenge here. I can see on her face. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hannah, moving over to you there with your story. Apart from causing a ruckus at the football in, in latter days, um, how did you get into it? I'm, I'm presuming in, in some way through your mum, because we were saying off air that you two have managed to engineer a scenario where you are the only people in the family who are into football. So dad and brother are not into football in the least and neither is your husband. Is that right?
0: No, not into football at all. Um, yeah. So mum, um, we, we kind of watched sport. We'd follow sport. It was always something in, in the family. And so I kind of just assumed that sport was part of what everyone talked about. Um, and as mum says, we, the first match um, I, I remember going to properly was a, uh, Barnet it was the the third to last match in that in that season and we won one nil um and I think anyone going to a match where your team wins as a as a first like as a first experience is always going to be something that that resonates um and then of course they got rid of the Goldstone ground and I didn't go back to watch a match uh at Brighton in person again until 20 till 2012 so you know it was what 1997 to 2012 so that was yeah 15 years in the wilderness of not having a anywhere to watch it um and i think so i just kind of knew i was a brighton supporter but didn't really have a chance to be one if that makes sense i i and i remember having an argument with a colleague at work um must be about 2007 or something and i was saying i'm a brighton supporter and he said well, when's the last match you went to and I said well I you know <laughs> I don't I can't you gillings always sold out well you know with team whatever and he's you can't be you can't be of course this was a guy who grew up in Hampshire and supported Newcastle so I'm not entirely sure what leg he had to stand on um and then I, I remember vividly at uni um 2003-2004 I remember listening on my computer to that Match against Bristol City, and I had my had my six pack. I had been steadily getting through it, and Leon Knight scored that that clincher at the end, and I just cheered. I screamed. I cheered, and I kind of ran out of my room, and no one was there, and no one cared. <laughs> so it was kind of I was like being this Brighton supporter in her tiny little bubble, um, when no one really cared, um, and so. When the Amex opened and when Mum got her season ticket, I found myself thinking, well, let's give it a proper go then. Let's let's actually go watch matches. Like let's as opposed to identifying as a, a, a supporter, I, I should probably become one. Um so I kind of bought my season ticket and um and started I, I was i I'm living I've been living in London for 16 years now, 15 years ago, and um so just kind of um yeah, uh, started going and, and haven't really looked back and really enjoyed it. Yeah, that's my journey.
1: Excellent. That's, that's good to hear. Um, just, just quickly going back to that um, story you told earlier, I think I do recall that from one of the Seagulls over London meetings, having a few beers after the general formalities of the meeting were out, out of the way. I'm, I'm pretty sure you told us about it then, but I may have been worse for wear, actually. And ended up having far too many beers at those meetings quite often. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the overall thing though yeah it's, it's it's a curiosity that you've ended up having nobody around you from the other sex who's into football because I mean yeah. it's it it seems to be quite often that happens actually I've come of course quite a few people in that same boat um it's almost like there's a subconscious thing going on there I'm not sure quite why <laughs> or how but uh yeah because I, I said growing up I'm uh 49 now and, and going to games from uh 79 onwards but as an adult from sort of in the 80s um yeah i would love to have had a, a girlfriend um who was a brighton fan but i just I never saw any girls at games so um but so that was that yeah but uh, that... Peter.
0: yeah
1: <laughs> yeah peter same the only thing to you because there's,
3: you... there's an expectation that, that women don't like sport and that gets hannah and i we, something really gets our goat because we we adore yeah. sport you know, it's so frustrating and we like playing it too, you know. When we used to I
0: think also it. one of the things is when you're, if you're with a bunch of people and a woman says she likes sport, quite often the guys will be like, prove it. Who played left back for England <laughs> in 1978? <1978. laughs> and they would never do that with men, that it's. Of course you do you're a bloke you like sport and um, my my husband always loves the um the seat the episode in the the it crowd where he says um <laughs> when he has the three lines for arsenal you know oh well they're just throwing it in aren't they and he i've genuinely watched him use at least one of those lines with no sense of irony at the pub
1: <laughs> oh that's absolutely brilliant i love it um and um, what about um your heroes growing up then? Who who were the players you so, so which year was this when you first went and, and who were the players, who were the, the teams, the managers that you most looked up to, who who did it for you then?
0: Well I'm gonna I'm gonna confess I never remember anyone's name, ever. I never remember who we played, I never remember what the score was. I am I am really bad when it comes to <laughs> paying attention to the details. Um I think Zamora was this was this kind of icon like when I was growing up he was definitely um and he was just he was one of those guys well he had he had a good song so you kind of sang along with the the song thing so but to be honest I didn't really recognize players until I saw them play I mean the first time I watched Brighton on a tv screen was the Middlesbrough match um in the playoffs I, I I never watched them. I didn't know what they looked like. So I didn't really start to enjoy players and uh, managers until I, start, until I started going to matches in 2012, 2013. And um, I think the ones, I, I have such a soft spot for both Solly and, Luke and Dunk because they're local lads. Mm, and mm, there's something really mm. special about that. And I mm. feel like Solly particularly, well, actually, I mean, Dunk was already, I feel like I've also watched both of them get so much better. I mean they really have when Solly came on second half in that QPR match he brought this energy with him it was like he would been sitting there on the bench for 45 minutes going I want to change things and he came in and we got this energy back and donkey I mean he's the fact that he keeps being overlooked for England is starting to get just it's starting to look like classic um just ignoring you know, the certain teams people just never get chosen from. So I think they're, they're the players that I, I love the fact they're still with us. I love the fact mm. they're committed and I love the fact that we've watched them improve.
1: Yeah, mm. I think that's a great shout. Um, and they've both been with us a long time now, particularly Donkey, obviously. Um, and it's it's good to see that, and other other youth players have come through, even those that have come to us fairly late on in their developments, um, but some from further back as well, which is it's great to see. I so think
2: anyone who, I mean, I was at Milton Keynes when Donkey made his debut in a meaningless end of season match, and it was just like I don't think anyone who you know was there that day would think that he'd go on to be our captain in Premier League at that point because we were, you know, it was basically ahead of the. the Pre-promotion season under Poyot, so nothing really had happened. We were mid-table. It was like the idea that this, this kid who came on mm. would then go and play for yeah, play for England at least once, even though he obviously got on from there. And when, also,
1: when was that, Peter? Do you remember which year uh, it was? It
2: the, the, the first season Poyot was there. So end of 2009-10, I think it was. We it was a nil-nil mm-hmm. draw at Milton. So I do remember games. I have got this really, especially away games. This, I guess it got a memory. I think of a, a lot of away games. Um, yeah. I do
1: remember that too. it was done, especially if it was Duncan's debut as well. And he had, he had some
3: time on loan somewhere, so, didn't he? I was going to say well, so, is how young they looked. I mean, Solly was such a young, he was a young boy really when he first started. He came from Hailsham, which was really rather nice, you know. And um, and, and I think uh, we sit, with a, you get to know the people around you, I'm sure you're the same wherever you are in, the, in the, the, the stadium. And the group around us, there's a lovely, lovely one called Sue it sits right next to Hannah. And we got, got quite sort of motherly towards so- Solly. He was kind of a bit special whenever Solly came on. We were all. And, and in fact, it's interesting because the fans are very fickle. We're, we're very fickle. You know, they were, we're quite a supportive to start with, then, oh, no, he wasn't any good. And, and now he's doing really well. So, he's, it, you know, it's interesting. It must be hard being a player to have us lot going at them,
1: I think.
0: Why they get paid so much to make them feel better.
1: Well, hmm. <laughs> Certainly true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was gonna say Donkey had a bit of time on loan. I think it was Bristol City, wasn't it? So I don't know if this is technically his tenth year with us with us, physically with us. I'm not sure of that.
2: On. I think given he was there I was a
1: youngster as well. Yeah. I suppose so, yeah, yeah, but long termer, yeah, certainly. We should mention as well. We're recording this on um, Thursday evening, um, somewhere between ten and quarter past seven at the moment. And Fulham are playing Spurs, and we're keeping an eye on that one. I'm sure all of us are doing that, aren't we? Um, so far, so good. Fifty four minutes in, according to my screen, it's Fulham nil Spurs one. Early goal from was it Deli Ali scored it? I think. Um, earlier in the game. Own goal. And- um, oh, I was at my goal, yeah. Um, West Brom nil, Everton nil as well. So, so far, so good result-wise. Um, I don't think we need to worry about West Brom. If if we worry about West Brom, we are doing particularly badly with results. <laughs> um, so, I'm not too worried about that. But the Fulham game, it would be hugely important if they can lose that match, um, uh, because we then play, don't we, before they do. Anyway, we'll get into all of that later on in the uh, in the episode. Um so, any other funny stories through your years supporting the club before we get into more up to date stuff? Um, generally speaking, my,
3: my that's only big one is that uh, the nineteen eighty three Cup Final, um, Hannah Hannah's birthday, her literal birthday was the fifteenth of May nineteen eighty three, and uh, so the the day that the Cup Final happened, I was actually I was basically recovering from having Hannah and sit, sitting in bed watching this match and yes so, so it's I still.
0: Why, it's why the top I wear is I bought from the shop is the 1983
1: um, cup edition one <laughs> uh, okay okay yeah yeah I, haven't, I don't think I've seen you on match day so I've, I've not seen the top but yeah, yeah, but that's, oh, yes, I remember you told us about this. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. Um, there can't be many people left in Sussex um watching the game on TV. I was one of them. I was a disappointed child of 11 coming on 12 and watching at home, um, but fairly new to supporting. So I just thought this is the sort of thing that will happen again and again.
0: <laughs> of course
1: we'll be in more cup finals. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> we, we came close a couple of years ago, didn't we? Never mind. Uh, Well, there we go. Well, anyway, um, I think what we'll do, we'll probably take our first break there. When we come back in part two, we'll run through a few bits of football news, including some Albion news and get on to the subject of the Leicester game coming up this weekend. What you guys thought about that and also indeed what you've been thinking about the season so far, uh, Mm -hmm. both on and off the pitch. And um, we will come back to that then in just a moment. Stay tuned, folks.
2: Welcome back to part two. Now for some football news for us. What's been going on in the last few days?
1: Yeah, well, we recorded on Monday and um, here we are Thursday. There's been quite a bit going on again uh, since then. Um, First of all, one bit actually we forgot to mention on the last podcast. I was talking about Olympic goals before. I don't know if you, uh, if Hannah and Margaret, if you've ever heard of these. It's an expression given to goals scored directly from corners on account of a An important goal somewhere in the 30s, in the Olympics, apparently uh, something occurred. So um, there were two of them at the weekend, Bristol City and Wigan, both scored direct from corners, both on the same side as well. So there we go. That's one bit of useless information I thought I'd throw in. Um, The the rest of the news, not not actually too great. There's been some sad news this week. Ian St John, uh, Liverpool legend, who also played for Motherwell, I think it was, and Scotland, of course. Uh, and famously presented Saint and Greavesy with uh, Jimmy Greaves through the, I think it through the eighties, wasn't it? Um, he passed away this week. I think he was in his eighties. Sad news. Apparently an all-round good guy, um, a true gent and everything. Um, that's sad news. One bit of sad news, but not terminal, thankfully, is Jimmy Case, legend, also of Liverpool, but also of Brighton. Um, he's um, been pretty poorly, I think, with, um, Covid. Um, He's in hospital with it, and um, he has now been discharged. He's on the on the men, so glad to hear he's doing okay. A little bit more alarmingly, and again with an Albion connection, Steve Cottrell um, got readmitted to hospital. I think we might have mentioned this on the last episode. Um, so he, he's got pneumonia-related issues to do with COVID, so um, not so good all round there. And um, there was another bit of gloomy news um, I read this week in the Argus that an Albion women's team defender, Rebecca Stott, who's 27, has been diagnosed with stage three Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is a blood cancer, of course. Um, she's returned to her native Oz um, to undergo treatment and for hopeful recovery from there. So we wish her well. Um, she was, I think, as far as I understand it, a first team regular, or certainly in the first team squad as a regular. So, um, yeah, so pretty bad news all around there. We, we certainly wish her well. Um, the other bits of news um, i caught this week, Albion Players this week were speaking to a 100-strong school Zoom group about racism experienced um, as part of a um, show Res- racism the red card movement. Uh, the session was hosted by Albion in the community, and um, it featured men's under-23s defender Antef Sungui, I think it's pronounced, who's an 18-year-old prospect of ours, centre-back, center centre and a women's team at centre-back, uh, Victoria Williams who's at the other end of the spectrum she's 30 years old so they were talking about their experiences so some good positive initiatives going on there we have had of course our regular racism uh, ticks again this week and um, it's Patrick Van Arnhalt of Paris. apparently he's had some abuse this uh, during midweek I think it presumably from something to do with Man U fans I'm guessing but who knows so that's pretty much it um, news this week so far apart from the football action. So we had Burnley, uh, they drew with Toothless Man United. Oh, sorry, um, they drew with who was it?
2: Leicester.
1: Uh, Leicester last night. Yeah. Um, Fulham, of course, are playing their game tonight. This is the game that's been brought forward because they're, uh, their opponents are involved in the FA Cup in a couple of weekends' time. So that's why they're playing tonight. So they'll have played a game more than us after this. Um, when we broke at half time, um They did score a goal, but it's been disallowed. So it's still 1-0 on 69 minutes, according to my screen. <laughs> it, we, we missed out on the drama, didn't we, everyone? That would have been great, having the angst and then the celebrations. Um, we'll keep you abreast of that as we get towards the end of this pod. Um, we really could do with Spurs winning, of course. Um, what's going to happen is we're going to play Saturday night against Leicester. And if Fulham have lost, we have the cushion of knowing that uh, if worse comes to the worst and we, we lose... We'll still be okay come the end of the weekend because Fulham then play Sunday lunchtime again um, against Liverpool. So some tough games for them anyway. But what we'd give for a win over Leicester, and we'll come on to our Leicester preview in a moment. Um, One other bit of news I wanted to mention was that um, last night also saw Sheffield United beat Aston Villa, a still slippery jackless Aston Villa, uh, 1-0. What that means is they've gone above Derby. So it's bad news for Derby in the um record worst point stake in Premier League history. Sheffield United have overtaken their total of 11. So bad luck, Derby. You it does can show you how to- bad
2: that, that Derby were that season. That Sheffield United have overtaken them quite comfortably, having had a truly dreadful season so far. And it's like, you yeah, know, the fact that, that they've, they've managed to do it in any way shows you how. I mean, Derby won one game all season. Uh, we've been yeah. dreadful a few seasons over the years that I've been watching, but... Even in the don- the, f- the first season at Chillingham, we were still won more than one game.
1: Yeah, and Derby got a win quite early that season as well, which makes it even worse how bad their run is running was. That was, uh, that was dreadful, isn't but it? They really bad. At the
2: bottom and-, and changed their manager at Christmas and actually got worse, so, mm. which takes some doing when you like, you're well at the bottom anyway.
1: Yeah, indeed. Um, any other news anybody's picked up on this week? I think that's pretty much it. Apart from the news, of course, I mentioned at the intro. It's uh, Lamptey's had a setback in his hamstring recovery plans, meaning that he'll definitely be missing at the weekend. And I, I've got the feeling of the fact they're looking at a specialist. It sounds like there's an ongoing, sort of unidentified issue or, yeah, or not so properly. Was,
2: uh, given his pace, this is one of his main yeah. assets as well. It's, uh, you know, you, you worry that it might be an injury that keeps coming back and may also be the, one of the reasons that Chelsea decided to let him go, of course, if it had happened, mm. I don't know if it happened before. Yeah. But. It may be one of the reasons, and obviously they've got Reese James as well, who's obviously a very good right-backer who's very young as well. But I wonder if that might be one of the, the thoughts behind it. that he.
1: Yeah, well, if, if there isn't any other news items to talk about, we'll, we'll go into talking about the Leicester game, shall we, um, everyone? And uh, I mean, the injury issue is is the thing, isn't it? I mean, we've obviously got um, Lamptey missing again. We've got Webster missing. We've got Solly missing. Um, and obviously long-termers like Izquierdo and and Donny, who, to be honest, we could have done with having... At this point in time, couldn't we, yeah. on account of the fact we can't hit a barn door, he might
2: um, as well apparently he's um, got, had some sort of back spasm or something.
1: Yeah, in today's training, wasn't it? So they're not quite sure if that's going to be a case of resting uh, overnight and he'll be okay. We're not sure, but um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but Leicester, they've got a ridiculous procession of injuries, according to the weekend stats. Um, Fofana's out with a hammy. James Justin's out for the season with a knee injury. Madison's out with a hip problem. Dennis Pratt is out with a, a hammy. Um, Iosi Perez has a knee issue. Wes Morgan has a back problem. Um, Harvey Barnes has just gone off with a knee injury at the weekend, and he's going to be out for a while. And Johnny Evans, the same with his calf injury. So that's eight people out for them. And I think, as far as I understand it, Jamie Vardy is available, but he's still nursing some kind of ongoing issue, isn't he, if, some description so things are not great for Leicester although we've got our problems I think it's theoretically a good time to play them they've just had the one-all draw with with Burnley haven't they in the, in the week um, which was I think a fairly unremarkable game by the sounds they've of got it. Extra um, games
2: played. so they played two games since we last played because they played Sunday yeah. and then Wednesday so it's the, yeah, yeah.
1: It's so, so does this mean we're going to win um Hannah What do you reckon? Peter's shaking his head, by the way.
0: (laughs) Hope is a dangerous thing. Um, I think what is it, you know, I've always um, noticed that Brighton seems to step up when a team is better and step down when a team isn't. Um, And, you know, the last few matches kind of, our our last five matches prove that, really, don't they? And so I feel like Leicester's form this season has been consistently a hell of a lot better than ours. So I feel like we might, just simply play better than we have done with other teams. Um and and, and that will stand us in good stead. I mean the, the, the whole point is we've got a few defenders out, which is a, a shame and that's a risk for us because our defending is so good. Mm. But it's sim- we simply cannot score goals. And it's it it's such a stupid it, you look at the the, the eventual scoreline and that's what really determines it. And if you cannot score goals, you are not going to win. So un- unless I, I was I was interested, in um, was it um theory on the one touch? Like we're really not good at the one touch. Our boys panic, you know, they um and so uh if if they just someone needs some confidence, someone needs to just punch it through the defenders if they have to. Um that that's
1: all we need to do. We need to score a bloody goal. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, a moment with- <laughs> Would you go along with that no, right? one? I,
3: I think yeah. ditto, really. I mean, it's absolutely they—they they just need confidence, and they haven't got it. Um, and I don't know. Somehow, Mope seems to keep turning around the wrong way. It sort of—it mm. just frust- he gets into the box, and you think, "Come on!" And it just seems to—it's almost if like he turns the wrong—the wrong way round, counterclockwise or whatever—and finished up therefore with his on the wrong foot, and everybody's then got themselves regrouped. And we're back to square one again. And you think, oh, yeah, I don't know well, as you say, two. a good
1: striker finds space. He kind of he's, he's pretty much doing the opposite at the moment, isn't he? He's finding non-space, <laughs> which is.
3: And then we, well, then we then we miss two penalties, and you think how, how, it, it, it takes some doing to miss two penalties, in my view.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we 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 spoke at length about the refereeing decision, so we won't go into that. I mean, as you've got any particular oh, points to add,
2: we did plan. talk about that for
1: quite a while, <laughs> but. <laughs> But in terms of the penalty misses, yeah, I mean, you just couldn't make this up, could you? It's the first time in Premier League history that two penalties have been missed by means of the woodwork, so to speak. Um, penalty, Two penalties have been missed in games before. Funnily enough, a Serie A-C game from the weekend, apparently both teams in one match missed, penal- missed two penalties each. Wow. Um which is bizarre. I don't know in what, in what fashion or which teams they were. I just heard it somewhere else. But um, So somebody outdid us at the weekend, but that's a <laughs> scant consolation, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, missing the two, as I said um, on the Zoom chat when I was watching the game on Saturday, we were discussing after the first penalty miss who we'd like to see the next penalty taker to be, little knowing it was going to be during the same game. But I was saying I'd go with Grosch Gros again, really, and if you're changing it again, I would have gone for Dunk because although he's not whacking them in the corners or anything, he's tended to score his penalties. He's got the rights, I think, the right psychology to take the penalties. Um,
2: yeah, it has to be said it, we're not it, alone in terms of penalties. I mean, Man City have had real problems with them this season, and yeah, they yeah. missed like four or five. Or something. there's a point where they're going through their team to work out who's actually taking them. So we're we're far from alone. It's e- even the best teams have. Weird, yeah, you know, runs, and of course, then you end up probably. probably the answer is you probably even if someone misses two, you probably should stick with them because they're probably your best penalty taker. But because teams then move down the order, they're, they're less good penalty takers to take them, and then that means that then you probably have more chance of missing. Ironically,
1: yeah. yeah. But Duncan in, in shootouts, he scored. Gross, I think generally he hadn't missed one for two and a half years. I would have been quite happy for him to yeah. follow up. It's almost better in a way, as as Richard said on the last podcast. You've you've warmed up. You've seen what the, the keepers procedure is on you know in in that situation in that game you've warmed yourself up you've taken a penalty on the day in a way you're you're the best equipped to take the next one and his record isn't bad in general so I would have stuck with him to be honest um but it's one of those things at least we are hitting the crossbar on Nightman City with with our penalties racking up our um, our crossbar strike rate aren't we what's that 13 now is it for the season something like that (laughs) utterly insane um our head-to-head record against Leicester, obviously we were very well beaten earlier this season in one of our most passive defeats, I think. Generally, we've given a good account of ourselves, at least, um, but that was a poor performance. Overall, it feels like we never get much from Leicester, and probably in recent times we haven't, but um, notable in fairly recent times, was, I think it was a 4-1 win, wasn't it, in the season they went up as champions and we were somewhere in mid-table. 3-1
2: home um, as well that season. We did the double yeah.
1: Yeah, which was quite bizarre. The overall head-to-head, by the way, is um, it's not many games. Um, 13 wins, seven draws, and we've lost 17. So it's actually fairly even overall. Um, we could do with making it more even, certainly, other weekends. Um, so where do you, say, Hannah, first of all, where do you think the game is won and lost here? Obviously, defence not making those mistakes is part of it. Um, but do you think there's any particular key features here apart from the obvious scoring a goal.
0: <laughs> it really does sound like a, a silly thing. I think there's a there is an energy thing. I mean one of the things I have noticed with Brighton in the last in this season, particularly compared to previous seasons, is our energy levels stay up longer. Um, whereas I think previously so for example the, the palace match last season, yes, the away match where we had something like five or six shots on goal and by the second half we were knackered and we'd kind yeah. of lost it. Whereas I don't need to talk about the last Palace match, but we we the energy kept up for a long time. So I think there's something about um, keeping up that energy um, and um, yeah, and fundamentally making those conversions. Um, I think what it's really funny. I think was it was it Villa we played first match of the season second match, I was listening on Final Score, they didn't have it on, mm-hmm. I, I, I only have Sky, so I'm limited what I can watch, and um, they were talking about it on Final Score, and it was like, oh, Brighton are playing really well, you know, Brighton are playing, and we've had that all season, most matches we've played really well, it's just the scoreline that let us down, mm-hmm. um, so I... I get very frustrated with the fickleness of fans. Um, I, I'm studying organisational psychology, which is all about things like recruiting people and, and management. And there's a whole paper about how football management recruitment is is just utterly neurotic and makes no sense. Um, so I think the fans saying, "Oh, Potter, he's he's not he's he's got he's got us playing well," so I I don't think there's any one thing letting us down. Besides being able to make those those spaces to get those goals, that's really all it comes down to.
1: Yeah, and I think I mean I'm a relentless, as I was saying off air, a relentless listener of other podcasts as well. And um, it, it's a universal opinion by pretty much everybody in the media, far in expense of anything else you might see on TV as well. It's it's just the same stuff being reiterated. Um, really good the way we play. And the interesting thing that's come up this week is. Lots of journalistic articles. I think the Athletics covered something I think the Guardian may have done and the Telegraph definitely did, talking about how Potter's um, reputation is possibly, quite bizarrely, not being affected by the position at the table because he's playing with certain tools at his disposal and playing in an eye-catching style that people are liking, not getting the results, but the general consensus is if you recruited him to be the Tottenham manager or the Everton manager or something like that, that he would have better tools to work with and would actually um, flourish, basically. Um, he's very highly regarded. And there's also talk about, in a, in a different angle, that the England setup up might be looking to ingratiate him into into their system, possibly as an alternative. Um, that, that's words behind the scenes. I hope neither of those things will happen um, because I hope he'll stay with us for a long time. I, mean, I
2: think um, will select someone from Brighton, though, surely. That would be unrealistic.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but I do think there's a succession plan in there. I was listening today to a a podcast with um, Ornstein and Chapman talking to the Plymouth owner who's, I think his name's Simon Connell, I think his name is, I can't remember, but he's he's basically an owner and fan, so similar to Tony Bloom, and he's got a very long-term method in place, I think it's probably not dissimilar to Tony's actually. All in all, when he's got Ryan Lowe as manager, and he's told Ryan Lowe, "Look, you're in here for the medium to, tong- uh, to long term. If you make mistakes, if there's a run of results that go against you, it's not a problem because we're looking two to three years ahead. That's all the planning, all the recruitment. Everything has got this bigger picture feel to it. So they've not got this short term thinking of right. You've you've lost a few games in a row, you get sacked. And they were on a particularly good run. And he said to apparently he said to the manager. Ryan Lowe, he said, um, well, you, we could almost do with you losing three in a row now just to v- indicate the point that I'd stick with you. And apparently they then lost six in a row, <laughs> which I thought was quite hilarious. And um, lo and behold, he's, pardon the pun, lo and behold, but uh, Ryan Lowe is still in charge. And I think that longer term thinking, not just because of necessity with not wanting to chop and change in Covidious times and you know, trying to keep your finances in order, but in general, I think there's more of a, methodological kind of more thoughtful way of, of going about these things now which um, hopefully
2: Example: yeah. Wednesday who we spoke about last episode they're on at least their third manager of the season at this point
1: yeah and in Germany Schalke have sacked Christian Grosch by the way for apparently having outdated training methods and speaking to the players in an odd way um, and okay. they're now on to their fifth manager of the season
2: uh, they did find someone who was pretty average of spurs in like, the nineteen the early 1990s so or mid-1990s, yeah. not that surprising yeah. that, his, that his methods may not be the most up-to-date and uh, kind of <laughs> with, with the times. I mean, you kind of like think, well, they're, they're obviously, there's something wrong with them this season. They're going to go down.
1: Yeah. Yeah, first time in 33 years they're going to go down. They've only got nine points this season, um, which is, after 33 years in the top flight of Bundesliga, it's pr- pretty bad, isn't it? it
2: the last season. Well, they lost about the last 10 games last season, so they mm. a run of like over a whole season about,
1: yeah, um, it must be a club record.
2: Maybe it could be um, derby if the season started at the end
1: of <laughs> the club. Yeah. So, yes, yeah, so, so, I mean, we've got Hannah's views. Margaret, would you, I so said generally you go along with yeah. the same idea that we've...
3: I, I, it's interesting. Last season, I was very nervous. I, I thought we were, I, I thought we had more chance of going down last season. To say most of the time, I've remained optimistic. It's very, it's really lovely football to watch. I mean, it really is a joy to watch us play most of the time until we get into the last third. But anyway, but we we play well, we pass well, fantastic sense of teamwork. I just think, and I think I feel very fortunate to be supporting Brighton because I think the whole setup, you know, Tony Bloom down, I mean, Paul Barber and, and, um, uh, the technical guy uh, my brain um are um, just um, yeah ashworth, they, they're ashworth, ashworth yeah. yeah i mean they they're just Fantastic. And I and I I think for me, the particular thing I love is bringing in young ones and bringing them through. It must be so good to be in the Academy of Brighton because you must feel you've got a really strong chance actually getting through into the first team and that they will look at your development. You, you look at, at, at White and how White was, was treated and so on. I mean, I hope he doesn't go at the end of the season, although, you know, I suppose he could, depending on what happens to us. But he... We've managed them, we've developed them brilliantly, I think, and it's really showing now. Um, and I think we've got now broader breadth. If you, when I first started watching, actually, at the Amex, the, the, the bench was really quite thin. If somebody had to go off, there really weren't substitutes who were of the same quality. And yet now you feel we have people on the bench who can come in. I'm, I'm quite excited by Moda and Kapovnik, the two young Poles. I mean, I thought, Moda looks so young, I must say, but um, they just seem as if they're going to fit in well. And, and I, I think there's some really exciting things to come.
1: So. 100% agree with you. I think exactly the same, but there's so much talent, strength and depth. It's all part of the policy, isn't it, as well? And mm-hmm. to the point where we can afford to sell a major asset if we need to, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's, we're just missing that striker, aren't we? That's the one element. And ideally, in the ideal world, you'd bring something you've managed to get someone through the ranks who can really hit the ground running. That would be perfect. Because that saves you forty, forty five million, whatever it's gonna be, even twenty million with a, a good young player signed it early It looked like passing.
3: Connolly was going to be that, wasn't it, with that first match yeah. Spurs and you think,
0: Oh wow, this is it. And somehow he just doesn't seem to have quite he's you can yeah. see on his face though. You can see he's not getting the breaks he wants you can see that frustration Mm. Um, and I can understand it because it's where teams come in I mean yes it's great Mm. to have a good striker but unless the unless people can get the ball up to them what's the point I think that whole concept of of the team as a whole um, is so important I I've been watching Ted Lasso on Apple TV and it's just so heartwarming Um, and that idea that actually the team that the attitude is in some ways more important than the football. Um, Of course I say that, I'm I'm both a woman uh, and someone studying this subject, but I think that idea of um, culture and long-term thinking and supporting each other and recognising that 11 people together make a match is what is far more important than the short-termist, oh, we, ne- we need this one striker and they'll change it. Uh, or, you know, that, that idiot person, that idiot referee. It's so much bigger than that, I think.
3: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's hmm. one thing. I, I think also there's the pluses and minuses of being a Brighton sport in the sense that they're never going to see us as one of the big six and therefore our players will want to go to the big six. But frankly, I wouldn't want to go, I, I wouldn't want to be a Chelsea player or a Manu player because if you don't deliver you're out. And if you're a manager, my goodness me, you know, you, it's completely results oriented. And I, I suppose the, the thing that makes me a little bit bitter is that we would be as a, a team, a bit like Southampton were developing the players, and then they get cherry picked. Understandably. I understand if I was a player, I could get the kind of wages, but you think, mm, you know, you've done all the hard work, hard, hard graft, and then they just get taken away and they and don't have to actually, do anything.
0: And do you actually get to play um, do you actually get to start a match anyway, or are you are you their third mm. stringer? You know, surely mm. if you're a footballer, mm. you want to actually play. You
2: know? Well, that's why we've got Lamptey, isn't it? Because he wanted to come here to play football. Yeah. And I, but I do think it it is the a necessary thing. You know, obviously in an ideal world we keep all of our players and still be able to buy new players. But I think a in order to attract the right players, you've got to show that you're going to. You know, yeah. big clubs are going to come in for the result. And also, yeah. b frankly. There are positions that we've got more strength in depth in than others. So, in yeah. order to buy the striker, given our finances at the moment, and given the amount of money we've lost last season, probably will lose this season, we've probably got to sell a big-name player to then fund a new striker, which we desperately need, and probably even then will strengthen us, even yeah, if we don't have a right. yeah. or a white in the process. Yeah. I mean, You're right,
3: Pete, absolutely. Yeah, it's,
2: it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a shame, because, because the team they could have had, the likes of Van Dijk and Shaw and... It's ridiculous, really. Or even going back in, you know, two years ago, like Bridge and players like that came through there. But, mm. yeah, on the other hand, it's better than no one wanting any of your players, which is what we've had in the past. Like, no one's interested in any of them because they're useless.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And I, I, I suspect, if anybody, it would probably be Bissouma because we've got extra cover in that department. Um, it's almost as if we're expecting that as well, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact we brought in Caicedo as well as Moda and other players can fill in there as well. Where um, do you think you'll go, uh, Russ? Um, well I reckon he might go to an Arsenal, um, somewhere like that.
2: Liverpool if leaves as well. another one. Yeah. Well
1: I would have said some, maybe someone like Everton, but I think because they've got Alan there, haven't they? He plays a similar sort of role. So maybe not there. But I I, I feel like Arsenal are constantly on the look look lookout for new players to try and spark things off there because they're still not finding the right formula, are they? So it could be there. I'm not sure. If it's someone like Ben White, maybe I'm not sure really with Ben White. I wouldn't be surprised if someone like City went for him because um, he's a ball-playing player as well. Um, just what Guardiola likes and he could tailor him to his to his own ends as well. Yeah. And he, who knows he likes who the, knows. the
3: way we play, doesn't he? Guardiola. Yeah, Chip.
1: absolutely. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully we will play well and get a result this weekend. I don't know, just quickly on a few other little bits then. So in terms of the weekend, um it's a Saturday night game. What, what, Hannah and Margaret? What are your usual match day rituals as season ticket holders in normal times? Oh, um, should this have been a game we could go to, and in the current reality of not being so being in lockdown, what are your lockdown rituals for watching games?
3: Well, Hannah and I quite often meet up in Brighton and have a coffee before we start, actually, and um put the world to rights, have a kind of brunch really, and then get back on the plane, yeah. on the train.
0: Um, yeah. I get so and I then go to the
1: game, obviously, and the rest is.
0: Yeah, um, I come from London, um, and I actually, I actually live um, not far from Selhurst Park. So I always make sure I'm nicely covered up before I actually get on the train, just in case. Um, <laughs> the um, uh, and yeah, we'll we'll meet up and get the uh, I'll get the train down. Hopefully, the train. I really hate it when it's replacement buses. Bloody Southern. Um, the um (laughs) we tend not to i i what surprised me is i tend not to drink much when i go to matches um simply because it's it's cold like by the time you get there you kind of want to mum doesn't drink much either so if mum was a drinker i think we probably drinking uh, and think <laughs> also since I'm, since i'm currently 6 months pregnant um i wouldn't be drinking anyway um so one of the things i'm i'm hoping to maybe ask uh paul barber and his team is if they will consider giving matt leave to season ticket holders uh until such time as they're able to properly enjoy a match again um, we think
3: they should by the way because we think that's discriminatory
0: potentially discriminatory but they
3: never even thought
1: about it in in their defence but uh, yeah yeah. It's an interesting point, actually, yeah.
0: yeah. It's difficult to take the time out um, if you're breastfeeding, all that kind of stuff, so I, I'd like yeah. to just ask, see what they say. So,
3: any chance, Russ, you can kind of, with the powers that be, suggest this?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Russ. We'll see. Yeah, it's interesting. that By, Incidentally, I don't know if you, if you know or wanted to know the gender of your baby, but um, if it's... I, is it, if it's a, a guy, are you going to try and buck the, chat, the trend of, of non-supporting by males in the family as a whole? Well, um, it is a
0: girl, so... It is you a know, girl. Oh, there we go. We
1: don't have to worry.
0: Um, I think my main my main worry is she ends up supporting Palace because it's the local team. That's, oh, that's the no, biggest... No, no. You know. no that's
1: <laughs> simply unacceptable in every form. <laughs> exactly. Well, Andy, uh, you might have heard Andy Bass on... Uh, Not Andy Bass, sorry, Andy Bravery from Seagulls Over London. uh, Lives in that area, Croydon, and he's got two children, one of each, and um, they're both Brighton fans. And one of them is playing football for a local. Local team surrounded by Millwall and Palace supporting kids, <laughs> so it can be done. It can be done. Um, in other good news, I've just seen the full-time score. Fulham have lost. Yes, yes. Sorry, Fulham. We do like Fulham, but on this Brom occasion, well, and West
3: Brom have as well, I think. And yeah. West Brom as well. Yeah. For West Brom had a goal yeah. allowed
1: an
2: injury time for off for like a very very minute offside. So maybe the luck's turning in
1: a is of that them. Fulham? Fulham hmm? did. They well, West it. Brom. Oh, West Brom did right. Okay, so that's good. (laughs) So, so I don't know if your hopes have been swayed by that news we've just heard, but predictions for the weekends are we going to go for scores? I'm going to go for a cheeky 2 1 win. I reckon we're going to win
0: it.
1: Oh, God. Peter?
0: I don't see where we're getting two two from Russell. Maybe one. (laughs) No.
1: it's, that's what I say. Cheeky. Maybe I should have used outlandish and own completely goals. delusional. Might have been better words to use there. Uh, I take guess. one nil every day. <laughs>
2: I'm, I'm going to go one all if Madison's out. I think he's the one who makes it, who made the difference in the first game. For all that, Bellary got a couple of goals. No, Bannister actually got two, didn't he? And then he came on in a cup tie and changed it as well. Once he yeah. came on, we were on the back foot a lot more. So if Madison's out, I think we've got a chance. We might get one all if he if he plays. Then I'm yeah,
1: not so sure. Yeah. So Margaret, are you going to go for a hopeful one or win? one Hopeful one 0 win, hopeful one just, nil, I think. Yeah, and Hannah, what do you reckon?
0: Well, I I am notoriously awful at predicted uh, addicts. Partly because I always forget to fill in my predictions. Um, yeah. But I actually went two Neverland. one, same as you, Russell. So I am as optimistic as you are. I do think there's two in us somewhere.
1: <laughs> it's just sorts of law, isn't it? That we we just and um, we we beat Liverpool and Spurs. We lose yeah. um, to Palace and. West Brom, the two worst teams in the Premier League. I'm sure you'll agree. <laughs> <laughs> no offence to West Brom fans. Um, <laughs> and um, and then we'll beat Leicester. Just the way it goes, isn't it? Hopefully so. Mm. The fact is, we can be cheered by the fact Fulham have lost. So we've got a three-point gap with the game in hands now, effectively, yeah. um, which will be late, caught up with later. Um, they've got Liverpool away this weekend. So even though we've got a tough match, so have they. Um, just quickly on the, the, the upcoming games. So we've got Leicester, we've got Southampton away, Newcastle at home. I think it's a key period for us, isn't it, with those games? Mm-hmm. Man United away, I feel we owe them one. I think we can <laughs> get something there. Then we've got games where I'm less confident. We've got Everton at home, Chelsea away, um, but then we've got Sheffield United got, away.
2: A record against Everton in the Premier League. We've not lost at home to them. That's
1: true. So we did That's have true, an awful lot of help from
2: the referee last season.
1: Yeah.
3: So some winnable they're very games. They're down, aren't they, Everton? I mean, they're very yeah. Yeah.
2: It sounds like they were quite fortunate to win today. They didn't play that well.
1: Yeah. And, and finally then, um, just um, your predictions for the season, well, your take on the season as a whole. Um, I know we've, we're generally happy with Potter, barring the goals and results element. Um, but your take on the season so far in general, and are we going to stay up? Margaret first, should we go to you?
3: Yes, I, I'm absolutely sure we're going to stay up. You know, definitely. Um, yeah. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. I mean, we've won games. I mean, to beat Liverpool and Spurs was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. And I think that Man U match at the beginning of the season was just—it was somehow it seems indicative of what happens and it, that kind of sense of we've lost matches that we should have won, and you just get so sort of frustrated mm. at times. But there've yeah. been some really good good things too. So it's been—it's been. It's been Overall, I think it's been pleasurable, with some very frustrating moments.
1: Yeah, I think that sums everything you've said there. Sums up how I feel actually. Hannah, um, would you go along with that as well? Yep,
0: nothing more to add. I mean, I, yeah. I think it, I think yet again we'll we'll stay up without the requisite forty points. Uh, I think that that's been blown out of the water for a few seasons now. Um,
1: mm.
0: I think we'll just stay up. If if we don't, of course. Um, I, I, I I'm never going to be able to get to all the championship matches. One of the great great things about being the Premier League is you only have to you, you don't have to take quite as many journeys down to to the Alex. So I need us to stay up because I'm not going to have that much spare time. So that's purely selfish view of why we have to stay up.
1: Yeah, one but one of the reasons I prefer is that it
0: doesn't help. Exactly. A week nightmare. Sorry, Ross, you were
1: saying. Yeah, the championship is is a good division, but I I'd rather still, I'm much rather be in the Premier League. Some people have said oh, I actually quite like the championship, but uh, yeah, I like it, but I'd prefer the Premier League, not mm-hmm. least for the fact I live in London and it's a real hassle travelling down. Yeah. It does bite in if it's a, you know 46 game seasons, so 23 home games. It's just mm-hmm. too much. Plus, you end up getting home cup draws, and I can't resist going, and it just it all just. <laughs> turns into a nightmare uh, financially so especially yeah but well, anyway on that note, then let's hope let's go hopeful into the weekend and um, margaret and hannah thank you very much for joining us um, it was an excellent debut i thought you added something to the team so um thank you both for joining us hope you enjoyed it very much thank you very much for having us <laughs>
0: thank you thank you so much
1: excellent it was it was a pleasure having you on and i think i could tell the difference in the voices i think you were distinguishable in the end, not to worry. Okay, so in the usual tradition, then Peter, we'll, uh, we'll sign out as we normally do by saying stand or fall.
2: Up the Albion.
3: Sports Social Podcast
2: Network.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've
1: gotten lucky?
2: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.